You're listening to the Transcend Podcast. I'm your host, Asha Wilkerson, an attorney by training and an educator at heart. This podcast is all about empowering you to build a business and leave a legacy. Here's the thing. The wealth gap in America is consistently increasing. And while full-time entrepreneurship is not for everyone, even a side hustle can change your financial landscape if you're intentional about using your business to build wealth. I've run my own law firm for over 10 years, and in that time, I've helped countless California businesses go from idea to six figures. On this podcast, we talk about what it truly takes to build a sustainable business and find financial freedom. Let's dive in. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the Transcend Podcast. This is my very first episode, and I'm really excited that you are here. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about myself and where I come from. My name is Asha Wilkerson. Um, I put the little three letters after my name, ESQ, to signify that I am an attorney. And the ESQ, actually, one of my friends asked me, what's the difference between a lawyer and an attorney? And apparently, a lawyer is someone who went to law school, but an attorney is someone who has passed the bar. And ESQ designates Esquire, which means that I have actually passed the bar and I passed it in California. But nowadays, people use lawyer and attorney interchangeably. So I'm your attorney, I'm your lawyer, whatever it is that you want to call it. But originally, I am from Portland, Oregon. Yes, there are just a handful of Black people that are born and raised in Portland, Oregon, and I am one of them. I made it through um, through what my previous life, 18 years in Portland, Oregon, and then went to undergraduate school at Santa Clara University. And that's how I got down to California. And I tell you, once I touched down in California, I never wanted to leave. Actually, that's not entirely true. After law school, I was like, I could go someplace, but I didn't know where to go unless it was going to be another country. But I'll get to that story in just a little bit. So I got to Santa Clara on a full ride basketball scholarship, worked really, really hard to get there in high school, not just on academics, but also in sports. Got to the campus and actually just before I actually got there, the entire basketball coaching staff that had recruited me left and went to another school. And a new coach came in, unbeknownst to me at the time, didn't like me, didn't want me on the team, says that she had never seen me play. And after a couple months before the season even started, she said I couldn't be on the team. And then she said for the next year that I would have to either pay tuition or if I wanted to play basketball, I needed to leave by December. At this time that this happened, it was October, maybe. I mean, we started school in late September, so it definitely wasn't November yet because I remember actually being able to go home for Thanksgiving because I really just needed it and I wasn't planning on being able to come home if I was playing basketball. That was my first introduction to life away from home, out of my mom's house and into the real world. And I think that was probably the first like, yeah, real hard life lesson I had to learn because uh, fortunately I was strong enough in academics that I was able to fight for my scholarship and got to stay at Santa Clara for the next three years. But it wasn't on my terms anymore, but I definitely made the best out of a terrible situation or a terrible introduction to Santa Clara University. And so I think I've kept that lesson with me that I knew that since I was able to rely on my brain, I was able to get that scholarship money in another way that didn't rely on my body. So I will say that was probably lesson number one for me as a young adult. 
So I made it through Santa Clara. I got the fortunate opportunity to study abroad in Cuba. I had finished my work a quarter early because I was just that diligent student. I decided, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my time? I want to travel abroad. I want to speak Spanish. So let me just pick a place and go. So I spent um, 12 weeks in Cuba. That was our, our quarter system, learning about Cuban culture, Cuban music, Cuban dance. And I remember one person, uh, one of my, my history professor at the time, it was history of Latin America and the Caribbean. And he had told me about this island called Hispaniola, which has the Dominican Republic and Haiti on it. And he asked us a question in class and he said, what do you think is the reason between the disparities between Haiti and the Dominican Republic? And I knew nothing about nothing, right? I was just this kid who had gone to four years of undergrad and now here I am in Cuba, but I had no idea what was out there. I didn't know it at the time that planted a seed. So why is Haiti struggling and the Dominican Republic is struggling a lot less, right? Let's go back. I had always wanted to be a teacher when I was a kid and actually not so much a teacher. I wanted to do lesson plans and I wanted to be a principal like my mother. I knew I always loved children. I knew I wanted to work in a school and work around kids. And so I thought I was going to become a high school English teacher. That was my undergrad major was English. My minor was communications. So I was planning on going to become a teacher and I got the opportunity to sit in or to participate in this undergraduate pre-law scholars program. And I, it was a summer. My job at the Boys and Girls Club had lost funding, so I lost my job. I did the program for a summer, took law classes with real law school professors that were tailored to us in our four-week program, visited different uh, law schools, judges, and nonprofit organizations. And I said, okay, well, this seems kind of cool. Let me just apply and see what happens. But I didn't know that I knew any attorneys. I didn't have any aspirations to be an attorney. I really loved law and order, but not because of the attorneys on the show or the police. I wanted to be Dr. Wong, the forensic psychologist. I thought he was so cool. And uh, actually, when I first got to undergrad, I started studying psychology and then switched to English. And then I thought, okay, well, let me just see what happens. They've told me how I can apply to law school. They told me that UC Hastings in San Francisco has really good support. So let me just apply and see what happens. I figured if it's meant for me, I'll get in. If it's not, I'll know and I'll go be a teacher. Well, guess who got in? I got in. I got in, y'all. I got into law school. And I said, okay, I guess these are words to live by. You know, let me go and see what happens. So I attended law school at UC Hastings. And let me tell you, those were three really challenging years for me. For any law student, I don't think anyone really looks at law school and thinks that it was so much fun. And the reason why is because everybody who gets into law school is used to doing really, really well in school. But you have a curve in law school. Not everyone can do well. A percentage of people have to fail to make the law school rankings look better. So it's just competition everywhere. And you learn to only trust a couple of people who also want you to succeed, but you're also competing against them. So law school is this really interesting environment that you have to be a really strong person and know who you are and know what your end goal is. So I made it through law school, but I did make it what I needed it to be. And I chose to study abroad again. I studied abroad my first summer. I did uh, a program in Costa Rica, and then I got to intern at the United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees. And I worked in Costa Rica in their resettlement unit. Um, working with Colombian refugees that were already in Costa Rica who were still experiencing persecution from FARC or from the Colombian government. And then we would work to relocate them to a different country, whether it's Canada, Sweden, uh, the U.S. wasn't one of those countries. So that was my first sort of introduction to the U.N. and I loved that work. The next summer, I worked at a law firm and then also did a couple classes. 
In the fall, I studied abroad in the Netherlands studying public international law, which is also another way of saying human rights or just the laws like treaties that govern all the countries of the world. Interned again for the United Nations, but this time for the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. Uh, worked on with a defense team to prepare a defense for one of the person accused of war crimes. Now, that was a change for me because on one side, human rights, and on the other side, working on this defense team. But anybody in criminal law will tell you that it's not about getting your client off. It's about making sure that the government has enough information or has proven their charges to charge your client. So that's what we were working on. Not trying to get the person off, but making sure that they had adequate representation so that the system worked as it was designed to work. After that, I came back and I applied for all kinds of jobs abroad. I wanted to go to, oh, I forgot to tell you about Haiti. So remember when I said that my professor in Cuba asked me this question about Haiti and didn't know how to answer Well, I got to Hastings and Hastings had a a program, a human rights delegation that would go to Haiti and investigate crimes or, you know, sort of punishable offenses against people who had been imprisoned in Haiti. So that was my first introduction to Haiti, but I felt like the, the seed had been planted in Cuba just a few months prior. And I didn't know that those connections were going to be made. So after I graduated law school, I really wanted to go work abroad, wanted to go work for the UN, wanted to go do some human rights work in Haiti, applied for all of that stuff nothing panned out. But fortunately, I got a job. I had a job at a law firm and uh, it taught me litigation skills right away. So total switch from human rights. But I worked in medical malpractice representing doctors and hospitals who had been accused of committing malpractice. So it could have been because they had actually messed up. And oftentimes it was because, you know, surgery or a procedure didn't have the desired outcome, but it didn't necessarily mean that the doctors messed up. I really enjoyed learning about the medicine. Now, second life story is that the firm downsized and I was one of the last people hired and one of the first people to be let go. And I decided, okay, I'm gonna go find another job. I'm gonna get into employment law that's similar to human rights. It's about individual rights for people to employment. And I kept looking for jobs, couldn't get any that I really wanted. And my friend told me, she said, you're taking all this contract work. Why don't you just start your own law firm? You're doing it anyway. I said, what? No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not doing it. She said, yeah, just do it. You're already doing it. So I took a couple months to think about it. And then I thought, I guess I am already doing it. Maybe I'll just, I guess I'll just take it a little bit more seriously. So in 2011, almost 2012 probably, um, is when I actually started my law practice, the Wilkerson Law Office. And again, I feel like I kind of fell into it because it wasn't something that I really wanted to do. But, you know, out of necessity and then also just looking at what I was already doing and putting a more formalized structure around it really changed my mindset and I started running my own business from there. So first I took on a plaintiff side clients, people who had been terminated because and it was their termination was wrongful, was for a discriminatory reason or they had been harassed at work and, you know, they weren't supposed to be let go in that manner. And then I got really tired of litigating. It was super draining. And I decided, well, maybe if I can work with employers, then I can help prevent these lawsuits from happening. So I started working with employers, which was a lot of fun. And then I learned more and more about business as I went along the way, because as clients would call me, they would also ask me business type questions. So I started learning more about business, added that to my offering. So business law and employment law. And then at one point I just got totally burnt out and I said, I gotta, I just gotta, I gotta stop. I gotta make a switch or do something. Well, remember initially when I really wanted to teach, 
I had applied for a couple positions at a community college to teach paralegal courses. So not leaving the law completely, but then coming back to my passion of teaching. And I got a job, y'all. I got a job. But I didn't get the job before I had applied to business school. I thought that if I got this formal business education, I'd be better able to help my clients that I was advising in the law practice on the legal stuff. And then now I could add this business advising. So I started business school. It was also on the quarter system. So I started in August or September. And then in January, I got this full-time teaching job, right? So now law practice, teaching job, full-time business school, crazy. But that was the opportunity that I needed to take a break from the law practice to learn more about business and to really hone my teaching skills. Little did I know that I knew more than I thought I did about business just by having run my own business, run my own practice. Experience is a fantastic teacher. I learned some other stuff, of course, in business school as well, but I was really surprised at how much I already knew and didn't know that I knew about running a business. So that was a nice, pleasant surprise. And um, I was doing that and was teaching and I'm still teaching at a community college, but I got the energy back to reopen my law practice and to start again. But I decided that I was going to do it in a teaching format because that's what I love. I love taking complicated information and breaking it down and making it available for people. And so that's where I am now. I still have the Wilkerson Law Office. It's changed its look a little bit. So instead of representing people in court, now I help entrepreneurs form their businesses. I work with them on their contracts, give them referrals and resources to set up their financial structure. We talk about hiring employees, talk about intellectual property. It's really kind of like a mini university, if you will, for business owners. And I love to focus on the black and brown community, the BIPOC community, which stands for black indigenous people of color, because historically we have been underrepresented and under-resourced. That's the biggest thing, under-resourced for a whole host of reasons that I won't go into because you can Google it and find out why. But my mission is to bring this legal and business education to everyone specifically lifting up BIPOC individuals who want to become entrepreneurs. Why? What's so important about that? Well, I personally believe that being a business owner is one of the fastest ways to change your financial future, right? You don't have to go and get a job from somebody else. You learn a skill, whether it's a service that you provide or, you know, a talent where you are fixing or repairing something, but learn a skill and start a business and make your own money. Nobody has to give you permission to hire you, right? You can create your own future by running your own thing. Now, I will say it's not for everybody. It definitely takes a certain mindset and a persistence because entrepreneurship is not a straight line. It is something that goes, you know, it's a super wavy line. You have your ups and downs, you have your highs and lows. You have your times when you're like, I'm killing it. This is meant for me. And other times you're like, oh my God, I made the biggest mistake of my life. But that's just what it is. And the trick or the key or the lesson is to stay consistent. So over the years, I learned from Santa Clara and also from the first law firm that I worked at that even if I didn't have the system, I had the skill and I was always going to be okay if I continued to develop my skills. So that's what I want to share with everybody who listens to this podcast. So starting a business can change your financial future, but it's not just your future. It changes the future of those in your family, your immediate family. And then also it stems out to change your community. 
So if you have a brick and mortar shop, who are you going to hire? Hopefully people from the community, right? People that you know, it changes the people around you exponentially, which is absolutely amazing. But here's the thing. So many people start a business and fail in the first year. And then I think about 50% of businesses fail after five years, right? We need to think about building a business and leaving a legacy. And that's what I want to teach you and share with you how to do. I want us to do it not just for our immediate selves, but for our children and our children's children, for our communities and our neighborhoods and our cities and our states and our nation right? We've got the skills to do the thing. Now we're just learning a little bit more about the business and legal education so we can play the game with the big boys because all of the information is available. We just don't know how to access it. And that's where I come in to help you fill that gap and to access that information. So stay tuned because the next couple episodes, we're going to be talking about the three pillars that I believe in to really build a business and leave a legacy. And the first one is building a strong business foundation. You have to know and understand how to use LLCs and corporations to protect you legally, to set you up financially, and to help you grow when you need it. The second pillar or the second phase is to grow and scale your business. Now we're talking about marketing. We're talking about systems. We're talking about hiring and expanding. How do you want to grow and how can you do it in a way that's sustainable, that gives to you as well as giving to the community? And the third part of it is actually planning your financial future. So let's talk about planning for retirement. Let's talk about hiring your children and setting them up in their early retirement plans, right? Let's talk about an exit strategy. Can you sell? Do you want to sell? Do you want to turn it over, pass it over to your children? What do you want to do? We're not going to work in these businesses until the day that we die, right? We're going to make a plan to pass it on and to get some money from that so we can also live our lives full and happy and enjoy some retirement. And so we're not just, you know, working until we're in the ground. So stay tuned for the next couple episodes. I'll be explaining more about those three pillars of business, building a strong foundation, growing and scaling your business, and then planning for retirement. All right, I will see you next time. Have a fantastic day. If you want to learn more about how you can build a business and leave a legacy, check out our online community where we dive deeper into these concepts. And I literally pull back the curtain to show you how I help entrepreneurs just like you build a sustainable business that leads to financial freedom. You can find out more at the wilkersonlawoffice.com. Hey family, I am so thankful that you are here listening to Transcend the Podcast. And I just want to make sure you know the best way to stay in contact with me. And that's through joining my email newsletter. So please head on over to the wilkersonlawoffice.com slash newsletter and join the list. I will tell you everything over there from what my offerings are to bits and pieces of information about how to grow and scale your business to self-coaching all the way to giving you updates on what the new podcast episode is. So don't hesitate. Go do it now. The wilkersonlawoffice.com slash newsletter. Thanks.